Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's almost to the point that we get in trouble whenever we do a show about a subject matter like Alice in Wonderland. People in the comments, people on Twitter, people in reviews will find us and go, little kids can't be fuckboys. What's the matter with you? And here we are to show you time and time again that you are wrong. Greetings, Etiquives and Lit Witches, and welcome to another new episode of Fuck Boys of Literature. I am your host, Emily Edwards. And every single time we do an episode about a kid, it's almost always about a little boy. But not today. Not today, my friends. Today we are discussing one of history's most infamous little girl characters. Now, Alice is complicated. Alice is really cool. And Alice has burned my toast for as long as I can remember. Today's episode is going to be very, very interesting. So tie on that pinafore, friends. We're about to go down the rabbit hole. I am always so thrilled when I get new voices and new people here on the show. So without much further ado, we have program director at SDSU, Johnny Holt. How the hell are you? It's going very well. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me on. I appreciate it. I am so excited to chat with a new person. I've got new blood right now because as everybody who listens to the show knows, I normally just talk to the same like 10 or 15 people all over again. And it's so much fun to make new friends. And that's the best part of doing this whole show. And you got me to watch a movie that is literally older than my mom. And um, (laughs) and, (laughs) and I wasn't expecting it to be so trippy. Very, very strange movie. Okay, so why did you suggest the animated Alice in Wonderland that is streaming on Disney Plus for anybody who's interested? Yeah, yes, it is, which is very good because I have a a VHS version, um, a VHS tape, but I no longer have a a VCR. So that's the kicker. Dead and inert on the shelf um, (laughs) uh, in in my office. you know, it, I was trying to think about cartoons, movies, things like that, that really kind of um, changed a little bit of the, the tone of the original text. And, oh. and Alice in Wonderland, I think, really does that in some, some very surprising ways. I think part of it is because it combines both Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, but True. also... Just, uh, just the, the 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 tone, the um, like the animation style. It's just so different than what I would have normally expected. Um, and I hadn't seen the movie in a very long time, so I I, I, I have 
probably just... not seen it in about 30 years. So I was going into this really blind. And the fun part is, is like I have friends who have worked for Disney when I lived in Los Angeles. And this is a definitely like seminal movie for that particular animation style. This was the beginning of Disney really getting into modernism. And normally I hate modernism. You've listened to the show. You've heard me call it bullshit forever and I hate to say it but like I forgot how just glamorous these movies can be with the color and the shape and the the technique and stuff like that it's a really visually arresting movie it is it very much is yeah and you know I think that's that has a lot to do with both the time period but then also what they were trying to like pull out of the, the text and and I'm, I, I I come to this more from an understanding of the the literary background of Alice in Wonderland through looking glass it's you know one of the the texts that I focused on in in as an undergrad and graduate school so like it's just something that I've always been really super interested in but I think the way that they kind of pull those those themes out become very plush very like I mean it's a gorgeously animated film um, in a way that I didn't, um, I didn't remember until I watched it again. Interesting, because I have to admit, like we've yet to do Alice in Wonderland the text for the show. Like, haven't done it. Oh. We have not touched upon oh. Lewis Carroll. Yeah, I know. I've been doing this for how many years and yet to do it. So maybe it'll come back when I'm reading books again. And I don't know if I've ever sat down and actually read cover to cover Alice's Adventures in Wonderland or Alice Through the Looking Glass. Like, I I know it because of the cultural zeitgeist of Alice, but I've never actually read it. And I want to ask, like, <laughs> what about the text, aside from just, like, made-up words and goofiness, like, really grasped you for the novel for the novels? Um, it, it's, so I, 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 I think I saw the, I'm, I'm sure I saw the cartoon first. And then in reading the books, it became really, really apparent that the books are, are not as trippy as I thought they were. Oh, um, I grew up kind of thinking that they were, they were just, you know, vaguely hallucinatory things. And, and the books are really like starkly laid out as logic games. It's, oh. it's basically teaching a young person, in this case, um, you know, Alice Liddell, the um, Lewis Carroll's friend's daughter, like mm-hmm. these very, you know, straightforward logical games. Um, so through the looking glass is all built around a chessboard and everything's very methodic and logical. Um, oh. There are a lot of linguistic games and manners-based games and all the kind of stuff that as a kid if you you know you're you're told to do because it's Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do yeah but you don't necessarily know why and so there's a very kind of real like condensing of the difference between like what is expected and Mm -hmm. what alice actually goes through i had no idea like i i had seen that like the chapter breakdown uh of of alice um alice's adventures in wonderland it it seemed very similar to pinocchio to me where it's like you know it's sort of set up in like 
miniature chapters where like they meet a conflict, they meet it and then they move on like that kind of, of breakdown of, and also teaching you the morality of the actions. You know, there's a very, there's a specific conflict and it must be overcome in order to, to move on with the adventure mm-hmm. story, um, which seems considering they also did Pinocchio and Peter Pan, which is also similarly laid out. Like that seems to be a very, mm-hmm. um, running theme running gag with the disney the early on disney movies and like one thing that i wrote down while i was actually reading or watching the movie was just like this is just like sketches strung together you know it's just like this thing happens she moves on this thing happens she moves on and i'm glad that it's act that's actually more in the book and of the text than necessarily what they were doing with the movie because it makes for kind of a choppy movie (laughs) It does, and that, and it's so. It, it's hard for me to separate the movie from the book for that reason, because all of the vignettes in the movie are from different points in the book, but they're kind of strung together a little different, gotcha. and they're, um, I guess, emphasized differently. I don't know if that's that's really quite the the word, but Makes they they all kind of land a little bit different. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Because I have to admit, while I was watching it, I was I was kind of bored. And partially is that because it's a movie made in 1951 explicitly for children. So, like, there's a lot of moralizing. There's the, the strong conflicts don't that you get in kids' movies now or movies that are watched by children where, like, all of a sudden there's, like, death and taxes now in movies for kids. This is slightly more like, oh, someone is making her late. And it's like... EFD, like no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> I, d- I definitely get that. And and the, the, the stakes are lower, I think, because at the time that the book was written, um, the stakes, and this is this is I, I guess like more lit theory than than might be uh, applicable, but the, the, the stakes for, for stories concerning young girls were very different than they were for for young boys. Young boys were generally sent on these great adventures out into the world, um, uh, Treasure Island and, um, you know, Kim by Rudyard Kipling and and all of these things. And then girls were basically sent into these very, like, insular inner worlds like Secret Garden or Princess and the Goblin, you know, and... And Alice kind of, you know, fits into that category where, like, basically it's her learning to navigate an adult world in a way that that she doesn't quite understand, that she doesn't, that doesn't make sense to her. Yeah, um, it's, you know, you know yeah, it's, it's pretty simplistic, but then she, I think, does it a little bit differently. That's a really good point. Like, I I kind of forget that this movie was put out in 1951 uh, in, per IMDb trivia, because I was reading it the entire time. Uh, <laughs> Disney wanted to do a version in the 1930s or like decades prior. He had been storyboarding uh, an Alice in Wonderland uh, movie for quite some time. The cast had changed it over. He had never, he not really gotten it off the ground for decades. And then considering when the book was actually written, it's Victorian, uh, it's a Victorian literature, you know, teaching you uh, good morality, good female behavior, good, you know, gender roles and and complicity. Um, 
you know, it actually wasn't that long before, you know, Walt Disney had started storyboarding the movie. Like, grand scheme of things, there's not actually that much time between the 1870s-ish and, like, the 1930s. Like, that's, like, a grown adult human life. And that makes sense that this might have been something he read as a kid that was fairly new and and had, you know, really grasped his his attention span but there is obviously many many decades difference between now and me being a grown adult woman and watching this movie <laughs> yeah and and so much is is kind of built into that i think there's there's a lot of subversiveness that carol writes into alice and her character and her journey but ultimately, it is about learning those adult mores and, and norms and experiences and all of the stuff that, that we kind of take for granted. Um, that I, I don't, I don't know if Walt Disney really, when he was story, storyboarding this, really um, uh, quite grasped in the same way that I think we might now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because he plays it pretty straight, like he plays it pretty like Alice. The, the 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 only way Alice gets out of this is to learn to play the game and do her role and everything else and keep her mouth shut. And even that, it doesn't always work. But yeah. at least she she gets through it. Yeah, like very rarely are girls allowed to be scamps in literature. And like, you know, they're usually like brazen hussies, like who are going to undo all of mankind or mom. And it's just like, oh my God. And she's she's an obviously little girl. Like she's still in the pinafore in the Mary Janes. She's wearing like little bloomers and stuff like that. And she's so obviously a young child. Someone is reading her a history book about William the Conqueror, which I assume they cover pretty early in British education. Um, and like she's just a kid. And then she gets to like run off with her absolutely adorable kitty cat because I want to mention that Disney draws the most adorable kitty cats like in the world. They're just pudgy, so cute. And it's just like, and then she just gets to go from being like a ridiculously scampy child to an adventurer. And little girls don't mm -hmm. really get to do that all that often, even now. Yeah. You're, you're a hundred percent right. Um, in like that era of, youth literature um i yeah. guess like not quite children's lit because it was that wasn't really quite a, a separate thing yet but even even the few girl focused books that there were most of them were were pretty um i would say very different and and this one really like she gets to go and, and create a whole brand new world and exist in it and grapple with these things and do all you know have these adventures and be lost and be emotional about it in a, in yeah. a pretty unique way um yeah then, like you know, come back. so much of her initial conflict like there's something so strange to me like she's crawling underneath the tree which like is really quite magical and triggered my claustrophobia like nobody's business and she yeah falls down this tunnel and she doesn't scream or yelp or anything. She just looks up and waves goodbye to her cat. And I was like, I could not imagine even kids today being given that level of like, 
of confidence in a stress situation. Like, but she's just kind of like, oh, this marks the beginning of my adventure. And that's it. Yeah. And it's just lovely. Yeah. Even in the book, she like when she falls down the down the, the, the rabbit hole, she just says, you know, she she pushed herself into the rabbit hole without ever giving a thought about how she was going to get out again. It was just something that she knew she wanted to do, and she just does it. And no regard to the consequence. That is such interesting agency given to a girl under 13, you know, in in yeah. in, in literally any time. Like, that she's yeah. not overwhelmingly concerned for her bodily safety, her, her moral safety, you know, or, or getting back to her mother or a guardian, female guardian who's been teaching her. I think some people reference sister and some people reference governor, governess. It literally doesn't matter. Um, and it, it's just really, really lovely and also very concerning. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's, and when, whenever you're talking about children's lit, youth lit, there's always a way of like, you have to remove the parents. You have to remove the, the anybody who would come in and say, Hey, you know what? You probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you probably shouldn't just toss yourself down the rabbit hole. You probably shouldn't just, you know, go on a crazy adventure overseas. You probably shouldn't do whatever, it, you know, fly to Neverland. Whatever it is you're about to do, you probably shouldn't. Um, so you kind of have to, you know, like get rid of the the parents, get rid of all the all the people who are like not a good idea. Um, yeah, and. When she once she does that, she's really genuinely free to. Well, and and in the movie more so than than the book, um, that first song that she sings, or the first kind of her her reminiscing with Dinah with her with uh, her cat, she she says the word Wonderland while she's looking at at a, a, a river, looking at her yeah. reflection in the, in the in the river, and. Like, I mean, that's classical literary liminal moment and all of that. Yeah. But th she literally then gets the freedom to create the world that she then goes into in a way I... that no one else does. Like, I don't know yeah. any other book that does that. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, she, she's given... So she's so set up for expressing her own wants and desires and what she wants out of the world. And she just demands playfulness. Um, you know, she's not demanding uh, a good husband. She's not demanding wealth. She's not demanding healthy children. You know, again, something that's written in Victorian times, even up through 1951, when even the Hayes Code is like well-established and being stuck to, like she's not demanding... Uh, you know, uh, an ideal femininity. She's demanding 
uh, a childhood, really, in a way that like few, you know, and especially kids on adventures, they're almost always given it so like, I can prove to my parents that I'm worthy of something. So I can prove that I'm going to be a man. I can prove how strong I am. I can prove how smart I am. And she's just like, I want to go on an adventure because I still want to be a kid. Absolutely. She goes on an adventure because she follows a rabbit. Yeah. In a waistcoat that she doesn't understand and just continues through this, this like series of events that it's just about her being a kid, about her exploring a world that she helped create, but yet doesn't quite understand how to get through. Um, like one thing that actually like really struck me about this movie version of it though, was that I literally wrote first thing, can anyone name a song from this movie? Cause I can't like. The only one that ever comes to my mind is the, um, the, the, the garden song, um, in the golden afternoon. Like that's the only one that stands out besides, I mean, a Marianne birthday, you know, which is just like a very short thing. But yeah. like the set pieces, not no. <laughs> there are no Disney bangers in this entire movie, and and like one of the things again, IMDb of dubious like uh, uh, accuracy sometimes. But so I'll say it with a grain of salt. I'm just saying they're like there are more songs in this movie than any other Disney movie, and I was like, I call bullshit because I cannot name a single song from this movie. Nope. <laughs> And none of them even compare to like, if you wish upon a star, I'm thinking of like old ones before, like we get to like the Alan Menken and and like Howard Ashman years where they're just like phenomenal songs. But like, there's no, when you wish upon a star, there's no, um, there's a couple of really good ones from Sleeping Beauty. Uh, You know, I just got, uh, I'm a sword in the stone fan more than like any other Disney movie. And like, even that that you've got, the you know where he's like putting away the books and stuff like that and it's all gibberish but it still works and you can remember it and this is like nothing <laughs> yep yeah it's it is very weird in that sense and i don't quite understand if they just didn't like i don't know i i, I have no no Which understanding should- of why also point out the fact that this movie flopped at the box office. It made no money. Did it? Oh, I it no, was like maybe a, I hadn't. It was like a stinker. It was like Disney's first like like oh my god, you failed. Like movie. And which is like wild because it's it's so canonical that they never describe what Alice is wearing in the books, but she is always shown as wearing like a pinafore and Mary Jane's and the disney version of Alice. And it's like, and it crashed and burned. And I'm just like, how, how did this become so like iconic? That's, that's a good point. I had no idea. Well, and I know like the, the um, original illustrations from John Tenniel in the book Mm-hmm. Uh, were kind of close, but yeah. I mean, Disney took it much further and they just like, that is now the version. Like that's what yeah. we think of when we think of Alice and that's it. 
it's just That's it's it. over. <laughs> That's it. That is Alice now. And like yeah. I remember I my parent I was very lucky as a child in the late 80s or early 90s that I had cable. And my parents got us the Disney Channel. And there was a Disney like television series which like looking back on it now you can find clips of it on YouTube where it's it's like a fever dream of crazy of like a young teen tween Alice like in the 90s going through the looking glass and there's like men with like rabbit faces painted on to be like the March hair and stuff like that it's super weird I will totally link to it in the show notes and I'll send you links after this um so I remember the story of Alice but always removed like because it's been it's been uh uh public domain for like a long time for like at least a hundred years everybody's been playing with it and walt disney is still somehow like the iconic seminal version of it yes yeah it's it's just so interesting it is. And like, I really enjoy some of the, like the more recent, you know, like takes on it mm-hmm. for exactly those reasons. Um, and as much as I hate to bring it up, the yeah Disney live action version with, um, I can't think of Mia the actress's Wachikowski. name. <laughs> yes, thank Johnny. you. Um, yeah. We'll say the Mia Wachikowski he version. He will not be named. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. Like they, I think they do a really good job of taking her agency, taking her, um, like that idea of her being able to con- construct and control her own environment, learn how to live in it, learn how to control it, learn how to get back from it, and 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 bring what she learned with her. I think they did that really, really well. Um, similar to um, there was a an older video game. Um, where Alice is basically free from a mental asylum and, and goes back to Wonderland. It's really dark. The the animation is really absolutely incredible and creepy. It looks like like if if Tim Burton decided to do like a hard R animated version of Alice in Wonderland where everyone dies. It's, That's awesome. Yeah. Super, super cool. Um, you know, like those kinds of things I really like because they take that that idea and, you know, if, if you know, Alice in Wonderland is her going into her imagination, her going into her, like, garden, essentially. Mm-hmm. And if through the looking glass is her going onto a chessboard, then this is, is, it is kind of like, you know, or like all of these things explode that idea and I really, I, I do like that. I think that's a, like, that's a really useful way of, of looking at this, this character and, and kind of bringing her to different people at different times. I just wish it wasn't, I mean, I wish yeah. there wasn't the baggage that goes with those movies, but. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Ugh. Less said yeah. about that, the better, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, we can say that about so many movies now where it's just totally. like, oh, I really wish we didn't have that guys baggage but alas we do um because a lot of the other <laughs> casting in that live action version is really really great you have you have Anne yeah. Hathaway Helena Bottom Carter Alan Rickman just really really phenomenal casting in that in those movies yeah. and then but um you know one <laughs> thing you are you are significantly redeeming this for me because one of the, the I always have a sour taste in my mouth for Alice and that's simply because you know those kids in high school 
whose only personality is the fact that they smoke pot. Alice was always inextricably linked to those kids for me. And I, you know, one of my, someone that I hung out with who I had a very bad experience with in high school, she was like obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. And she, you know, she was one of those girls who she had no actual reason to rebel. She just decided she hated her parents and was just going to do every single drug like known to man. And I had a really bad experience with her. And so, but she had like an Alice tattoo. It was, she was Alice for Halloween every single year. She was Alice, 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 Alice. And I was always just like, there has to be more to this than just getting stoned all the time. Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Alice, uh, I don't think these stories are nearly as drug-influenced as everyone makes them out to be. Thank you. And, uh, like, that's the kind of easy, quick, you know, I'm not really paying attention kind of uh, access to them. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, the Cheshire Cat looks super trippy, and there's a hoop of smoking caterpillar, and there are popular songs about this, and, and all of that. And I and I get it. I do. But everything's so logic-based. It's, you know, Lewis Carroll was a mathematician. Yeah. Like, he's literally writing rules for, for kids to try to figure out what the hell adults are talking about. And why they're talking about it in this way. None of this shit makes any sense. None of it makes sense. And that's kind of the point. If you're, if you're 10, what are manners? What are, what are these rules that you're expected to live by? And once you, like, once you kind of start looking at those elements, it, like the rest just becomes like, well, yeah, this is exactly what a kid would think. confronted with all of this bullshit you know i i got a lot of joy out of listening to to the word games um that specifically the cheshire cat was doing uh, a lot of the puns the plays on words and things like that they're fairly advanced even for like like one of the things that i found really funny i was a food writer for a really long time and one of the things i don't eat seafood i'm a vegetarian reconcile that however you want um but like the joke in um the uh the walrus and the carpenter that you know march oh no it has an r in it and that means it's okay to eat seafood it's okay to eat oysters um it, it's an, it's an old rule that you shouldn't eat oysters in uh mar in months that don't have an r in them so like june july august may june july august <laughs> Yeah. And, and a lot of that is because at the time they didn't have advanced refrigeration. So your seafood would spoil really, really fast. And so the colder months that all have R's in them, safe to eat oysters, safe to eat seafood. But the months that are hot, uh, which or I'm sorry, the months that don't have R's in them, which are May, June, July, and August, don't eat seafood because it'll spoil. You're going to get the barves. Super weird thing. So one of the ga- one of the sight gags that they do in the Walrus and the Carpenter, which is like the first parable that they show, is that the mother oyster is laying in, in the, the oyster bed with all of her baby oysters, and she looks at the calendar to see like why the walrus is here, and they show that it's the month of March, and they show that the R 
like gets red and flashes at you. So suddenly she's like, oh no, my babies are in danger because there's an R in the month. And like, this is like a weird ass joke that you don't know unless you are either from Britain in the 1870s where there's no refrigeration or are a 2000s food writer. I'm so glad you said that. I honestly, that was one of the notes and, and, and I, I wrote pages of notes while I was, I was rewatching. And that was one of the questions I had and I didn't have an answer for it. Like I couldn't figure it out. Like why the R flashes? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's like, a, it's an old rule about eating specifically oysters, but most seafood. If you have any interest at all in listening to the remaining, oh, 30 minutes of this episode, please do find us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash fuckboysoflit, that's B-O-I-S, or fuckboysoflit.com. We are also on Twitter at fuckboysoflit, same spelling, I promise you, and you can find our guest Johnny Holt at Johnny Literati, also on Twitter. We will be back next week with more fun discussions about movies based on books and our fundraising for abortion access networks all across America. I'm your host, Emily Edwards, and have a good one. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.